Hey listeners, today's episode is on the Holy Rosary, a much requested and anticipated topic. First, we kick it off with a history of the Rosary, and then we get into the mechanics of the Rosary. How can you make it more powerful, more spiritual, more meditative? And then we get into, of course, how you can use the Rosary in your own practice and own work. And then we cap it off with some listener questions about the rosary. And of course, if you've been following the podcast, we also have a series on the rosary that is available on Patreon. So I had a lot of fun creating this episode, as I know it was a hot topic for a lot of you. So I hope you enjoy. I hope it was worth the wait. And I hope it enriches your practice. Recitation of the Holy Name has always been a key component of many spiritual traditions. The belief that the humming of Om is the sound of primordial creation, or when you would chant the names of God like Om Namah Shivaya, it was believed you were literally tapping into the energy and essence of that God themselves, invoking them but also merging with them. In Abrahamic religions, such as Judaism, the name of God itself is sacred and shouldn't even be uttered. Or Islam, where also you have unique names and venerations for speaking of the Prophet and Allah. It's said that the great archangel Saint Michael could perform miracles on earth because Michael had the name of God within him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord is used to describe Christ himself. The Eastern desert fathers of the church would repeat the names of Christ, Mary, the saints, and God as long as they were awake, both as a form of theosis, but also to scare off demons. The traditional Latin mass and the divine liturgies of the Catholic Church also use God's name as a way to invoke him into the church, the bread, the wine, and the people. Exorcists recite the name of Mary and the saints to cast out the demonic. The litanies of the church dictate all of the titles of Mary, of the saints, of Jesus, as a form of devotion, invocation, and exorcism. And of course, one of the most beloved uses of the name is also one of the most complex, as it's a meditation, it's a devotion, it's a tool for manifestation, and that is the Holy Rosary. And the Rosary is a fascinating tool in of itself. It seems to appeal to both believers and non-believers, as does the Virgin herself. But how did we get the Rosary? What is the use of the rosary? Is it a magical tool used for manifestation? Is it a mystical tool used for communion? Is it a simple tool to show devotion? Is it all three? And of course, has the essence of the rosary been lost over the years, much like other magical elements of Catholicism? And that is what this episode is all about. This is another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue, and I am your host, W.
Everyone loves the rosary. It seems to be something that I get a lot of questions about, whether it's someone who works with Christianity, Catholicism, general magic, paganism. Everyone seems to want to know more about the rosary. And I think at the essence of the rosary, one of the most important parts of it is that recitation of the names. You see, in this circle, in this sphere, I have a lot of listeners who do folk magic or what they may consider witchcraft, and it involves a lot of spells, a lot of herbs, a lot of incantations, a lot of tools, a lot of candles. But sometimes all you need is the name. Some of my best work, some of my most powerful experiences have just been through prayer have just been through recitation of the holy names of Mary, of the saints, and more. So the rosary is that. The rosary is this recitation of the name. And yes, it can be used for so much. More than just devotion, but that is important too. So, I want to tell you where we are going, or at least a main point. And I think that the rosary is a very powerful tool, but I also believe that some of the modern changes remove some of those mystical elements. And we're going to get to that. I want to talk about the history of the rosary. I want to talk about the mechanics of the rosary. And then, of course, I want to talk about how you can use that in your spiritual practice. And I also want to give a lot of advice here about how to use it. And I'm going to get into this later. But if you think about the rosary, the rosary is actually three meditations in one. And I'm using meditation not as in meditate on the mysteries, but as in a meditation. If you think about it, you have sitting or breathing meditation. It's the first. You also have mantra meditation or repetition of prayers. And then you have visualization meditation when you meditate on the mysteries of the rosary. So you have three meditations going on at once. When, if you were to go to Asia, you would find Hindus doing mantra meditation all day, every day. That's one. You would find in Tibet, you would find monks doing vipassana or breath meditation all day, their whole life. So you're basically being asked to do three very complex meditations in one. So we're going to talk about how to get past that because I believe if you can combine all of those three very powerful meditations at once, it is a very, very, very powerful tool for communing with God, for manifesting, and of course, as a devotion. But first, before I go down that rabbit hole, let's talk rosary history. Using beads to pray has been one of the oldest ways to pray. I want to say it has its roots in Hinduism, though if you were to go pre-Hinduism and indigenous culture-based practices, you would also see beaded prayers. But I guess if you want to say the most modern, uh, as in religions that still exist today, Hinduism has a very long lineage of using beads to pray. The most notable is what's called a mala, which is a set of 108 beads. 108 is an auspicious number in Hinduism. And what you would do is you would chant a mantra to God on each bead. Um, for instance, if you wanted to venerate Shiva, which is God in the form of destruction, it would be Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. If you wanted to venerate Ganesh, which is God in the form of removing obstacles, it would be Om Gam Ganapatiye Namaha. 
Om Gam Ganapati Namah 108 times on those beats. And then you see that also come up in Buddhism uh, with the things like Om Mane Padme Hum in Tibetan Buddhism. But you also start to see that in Christianity as well with the early Desert Fathers. The early Desert Fathers would do something called Hesychasm, which is a very brief repetitive prayer on a prayer rope. So it would have 100 or so knots, and then they would pray a short prayer to Jesus or to God on those knots. Later, they would start doing Mary as well in the saints. And oftentimes it was the prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Or the Greek, um, Kyrie Eleison, Christe Eleison, which is Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. And they would repeat that over and over and over again. So you had this monastic, because it was mostly, mostly monastics that did this, form of prayer with beads around the world from the jump of spirituality, really. So as Christianity started to modernize and monastics started to go from caves to monasteries, you started to have what is called a paternoster chord. Paternoster is Latin for our father. It's the our father prayer. And these chords would have 150 beads. And the 150 beads would represent actually the 150 psalms. So the monks would pray 150 psalms throughout the week or throughout the day. And the lay people wanted to do something similar. However, many of the lay people either did not have access to a book of Psalms or many of them were illiterate. So this is about the Middle Ages, um, though one could also say 500 CE, um, as it would have a, um, a mirror to St. Benedict, the father of modern monasticism, regardless. Uh, many um, Christians did not have the capability to pray this 150 psalms, so many would still have, still get their hands on these paternoster chords, but instead of the psalms, they would pray in Our Father 150 times throughout the day. And this was not a, and the church then actually was not as controlling as not the best word, but wasn't as formalized as it is today. So those prayers would differ some people would do just Our Fathers, others would do an Our Father and a Hail Mary, but Mary was still venerated with those prayer beads. And that would soon change in 1208, which is pretty modern if you think about the existence of the church, right? Uh, there were monastics that, I mean, from the start, were living in caves and praying, but modern monasticism was around 450-500 CE. This is fairly late in Christian monasticism and Christian prayer, though in 1208, the Virgin Mary appeared to St. Dominic and gave him a set of prayers or more an instruction that would later evolve into the rosary. So here's kind of a misconception about the Virgin Mary giving the rosary to St. Dominic. She did not necessarily say, hey, St. Dominic, or wasn't saint, hey Dominic, can you please do X amount of Hail Marys, X amount of Our Fathers, X amount of Glory Bees in this order for me? No, it was more, hey Saint Dominic, can you please use these prayer beads to venerate me? And that's it. 
And in doing so, you will get the following graces or promises. That was the important part. It wasn't the systematic order of how to pray the rosary, what to do, none of that. The message was really, use these beads to venerate me and you will get these promises. So when we get to the Q&A aspect of this episode and you're asking if I can change the wording and stuff, just know the original rosary, the point necessarily wasn't the order, it was that you're doing it. Though that's complicated because there's a lot of energy in praying prayers that have been around that long, but we'll get to that. But regardless, main point, Mary did not really care about the order of the prayers or any of that. It was simply use the prayer beads to venerate me. And this is what you'll get. And what you'll get is what's important here. There's 15 promises of the rosary. I just want to go through a few of the ones that I find the most important. These are also the ones that I find the most mystical, esoteric, you know, when people say the rosary is not magic, well, think about some of these promises. So the first one, off the jump, is one of my favorites. Mary told Dominic, those who faithfully serve me by the recitation of the rosary shall receive signal graces. And by the way, she likely did not use the word rosary. That came later. We'll get to that too. But she promised signal graces. What are those? Those are signs. And we all love a good sign when we're doing spiritual work. And essentially, she will give you that sign you're looking for. So whether whatever that is, you're doing a prayer, you're praying to her for something, you're, you're um, dedicating your rosary for a certain issue that you're dealing with, you will get signs from Mary. Whether that's an obvious sign, a subtle sign, but you'll know it's a sign. And I love that. Another is general protection and the greatest graces. By the way, a lot of these are kind of general. But general protection, um, another will be your good works will flourish and um, souls will obtain mercy from God. Those who have a true devotion to the rosary shall not die without the sacraments of the church. I think this one's interesting. It probably does not sound all that exciting to you, O listener. However, there's so many supernatural stories from priests about this, about how someone was, they knew they were dying, they were on their deathbed, and they started praying the rosary again, and all of a sudden, they stumble upon a priest. There's stories of how you know, someone's grandfather or grandmother started praying the rosary again, and then a priest who happened to be at the hospital because they were at their niece's birth or their niece broke their arm and they were checking on them just happens to walk by. Or, you know, they had a call, but that person canceled or that person passed away or something. And then at the next room was the person praying the, that who got into the rosary again. And they were dying, so they got the last rites. So there's a lot of supernatural stories about people dying and getting the last rites very, you know, divinely, which is interesting. Um, but number 11, the 11th promise, is the one that I like the most because it's plain and simple. And when people say you can't use the, the rosary for magic, it's not a magical tool. Well, the 11th promise is... By the recitation of the rosary, you shall obtain all that you ask of me. Now, this is from the Dominican website. 
the official Dominican website. Dominicans were St. Dominic, his order. And that's the wording. I've seen some other wording, you shall obtain all that you ask of me as long as it sits right with my son, Jesus Christ. But that's kind of, it's kind of, yes, that's anything. But you shall obtain all that you ask of me. So it is, in fact, a manifestation tool. Um, and then the last one I like is advocates of the rosary shall have intercessors that are the entire celestial court during their life. So basically access to all of the saints, all of the angels, your entire life. Now, what I like about this is these promises are very magical. And even the most traditional, radical Catholics still recommend the rosary for you know, removing evil, or they will all pray the rosary together for Ukraine or for someone that is sick in their church. So the rosary is still used by many people as this tool of manifestation of power. And I just think that's interesting because the folks that are calling people witches and evil because they do manifestation with candles, the rosary is certainly a manifestation tool as well as a protective tool. So like I said, the rosary was not given as a Hail Mary, Our Father, Glory Be, end with the Memorare. That's not what it was. It was simply use these beads to venerate me. The mysteries were also a later addition, but eventually it became what we know of it now. The Our, Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, end it with the Memorare and the mysteries. Um, the wording was eventually changed. Someone asked me about that, so I'm gonna throw that in here. Um, the lines, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Um, that was a later addition. Now, I dislike that addition, and I'm going to get into this later, not because of the word sinners. I'm actually fine with that. Um, it's the length. If you recall the beginning of this, I mentioned Hindu and even early Christian mantras, how they were short, repetitive. This one's long. We'll get into that, though. So... The prayers were formalized later, as were the mysteries, and we're gonna get in the mysteries too. The mysteries are interesting. Um, but the rosary also didn't have its name until a few decades after Dominic was given it. And people say or ask, does the rosary have pagan origins? I mean, kinda. If you wanna consider beaded prayers pagan, um, the name Rosarium uh, and how the rosary got its name did have its origin in pagan rituals. Um, what they would call a rosarium would is when you would say a prayer on a flower and then make a crown out of it and then set the crown on the statue of a goddess. And that was called a rosarium. And there was more to it. There was some other rituals that you would do around it. Um, however, the repetition of a prayer and giving a flower is considered part of a rosarium. So since Mary has a lot of symbolism and literature tied to flowers and roses, um, I believe it was another Dominic, but not Saint Dominic. Um, it was a, another monk. Uh, he came up with the mysteries and agreed on the name rosary because of the rosarium ceremony. So now it has a name, now it has a system, and then eventually you began seeing more 
beaded prayers within the Christian church or Catholic church, you would start seeing chaplets to Our Lady of Sorrows, which would be seven Hail Marys and you focus on seven sorrows, or to St. Michael, where instead of the Hail Marys, there's a St. Michael prayer and you focus on certain scripture passages. And like I said, you do have these priests that still recommend you pray the rosary to fight the demonic. You have prayer groups and churches dedicating a rosary to healing or to protection or to end a war. And you also have Marian apparitions. I mean, the most recent one that I believe a diocese, it hasn't made it to the Vatican, but a diocese has approved was 2009. Um, And I believe some apparitions are still going on today. So Marian apparitions are very common, and in nearly all of them, Mary recommends that we pray the rosary. Some recommend a chaplet, and other ones are also like, hey, in the wars. But there's always this call, this reminder to pray the rosary. So it's always there. It's even there when Mary comes to earth and shows herself to people, which is fascinating. All right, let's talk about how the rosary works. So a rosary has 59 beads, 10 beads is called a decade. And what you usually do is on the cross, you pray the Apostles' Creed. I know a lot of people don't like that, um, though we're going to get into changing the names of prayers eventually in the Q&A section of this episode. But you usually pray the Apostles' Creed on the cross, and then the Our Father on the larger beads, glory bees and the Hail Marys and the smaller beads. Usually you end the rosary with a Salve Regina or a Memorare. And depending on the day of the week or your mood, but usually day of the week, you meditate on a certain mystery. So you have the joyful mysteries, which would be things like Christ's birth, luminous mysteries, which are things such as the wedding at Cana, sorrowful mysteries, as you could imagine, that would be the uh, death of Christ, then glorious would be the resurrection and ascension into heaven. Um, Joyful Monday, Saturday, luminous Thursday, sorrowful Tuesday, Friday, glorious Sunday, Wednesday, in case you're curious. So you can usually do the mysteries just automatically in your head, but I find announcing them and meditating on them before diving into the Hail Marys helps a lot. So the importance of the mysteries has to do with the path of the seeker, of the magician, of the practitioner, right? So the joyful mysteries, that is the birth of Christ. That also is Christ teaching in the temple. So what does that tell us? That tells us that the joyful mysteries are our introduction into the divine, into the mystical, into the magical. And then you have the Luminous Mysteries. Now, the Luminous Mysteries were added in 2002 by Pope John Paul II. And many people say that they don't like it because it messes up this path that I'm talking about, but I disagree. Because the Luminous Mysteries talk about Jesus' miracles. So, Joyful Mysteries are the beginning of the journey, the um, kind of the fool card, right, in tarot. But luminous would be you discovering your powers, right? Because there's the wedding at Cana. There's some more miracles in there. So that would be beginning to discover your power, your energy, your magic. Then sorrowful, of course, that would be our spiritual death, our ego death, um, a dark night of the soul, change. And then glorious, 
as you could imagine, resurrection, being born anew, a new vision, a new point of view. So as you go through the mysteries, you're actually focusing on not just Christ's journey, but also your journey as a spiritual practitioner. And towards the end of this episode, we are going to go back into the mysteries because the mysteries are a very important and practical manifestation tool. So the mysteries are important. All right, so we've done a very, very brief recap of how the rosary works, as well as the history of the rosary. Now let's talk about some of the mechanics. And then after this, we're going to get into how to use it in your spiritual practice, your work, and then also we're gonna get into some Q&A. Um, but let's talk about the mechanics of it because a lot of people struggle. And like I've said a few times, because it's hard, it's complex. You're expected to do three meditations in one. So let's talk about it. So earlier, I also mentioned how some modern additions have impacted the power of the rosary. Has it weakened it? Maybe, but it definitely changed it. And here are my three main reasons. The rhythm, the intention, and the complexity. So, like I said, the rosary has its roots in the Japa Mala, which then influenced the Desert Fathers, which then influenced the Paternoster Chord. And most of these prayers were short, quick, and succinct, and they beckoned back to the name that I talked about, right? The repetition of the name to invoke God with just the syllables, the holy syllables of those mantras that are the names of God are believed to bring God into that space. So, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. You're invoking, you're bringing God in. And this is most audible in the Hindu mantra, but listen to some of the desert monks chant the Jesus prayer in Latin or the Kyrie Elison, which I think is beautiful. So you have these short repetitive prayers. I'll do the Christian ones now. Kyrie Elison, Christe Elison, Kyrie Elison. Kyrie Elison, Christe Elison, Kyrie Elison. Kyrie Elison, Christe Elison, Kyrie Elison. Or Domine Iso Christe Fale de Miserere Me. Domine Iso Christe Fale de Miserere Me. So again, you have almost that shamanic quality of repetition. And the Hail Mary is very long, right? And the original was shorter. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Short. Now, of course, it's still longer than Kyrie Elison, Christe Elison, but it's not too long. It's not too long where you cannot get that shamanic, re repetitive, centering rhythm to it, especially in Latin. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu emeleribus, benedicto fructo ventritui eso. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu emeleribus, benedicto fructo ventritui eso. So there's still a meditation, there's a rhythm, and that's so important to your rosary practice. And I feel like if we can get back to the root of mantra meditation, because that is what influenced the rosary and how rhythm and tempo and breath are so important, your rosary practice is gonna get important again. So my point here though, is that 
we have made the Hail Mary too complex by adding all of those words to it and adding a glory be, adding in our father. It's a lot of stuff. It's hard to have that rhythm. And we're going to get into how to fix that with some breathing techniques. Um, so again, um, the first one is the rhythm and the complexities. I think that that was both of them, right? Because the complexity aspect, it used to be much more simple and we've made it much more complex and we've lost the rhythm. The third is the intentions. The intentions have gone away, sort of, right? Because like I said earlier, there are prayer groups out there that are praying the rosary every day for Ukraine or for someone sick in their parish. But this is a really interesting thing. If you look at a Hindu mala, there are three beads at the bottom. And those beads are meant to state your intention. And then those first three mantra repetitions are for your intention, right? So my intention is to get a new job. And I'm praying to Ganesh, who is the remover of obstacles, to help me find that new job, right? So you would pray, Om Gam Ganapati Namaha. Om Gam Ganapati Namaha. Om Gam Ganapati Namaha. Three times. And that is your intention. And here's the thing. The rosary still has those three beads at the bottom. But no one tells anyone why. I mean, no one talks about it. If you were to look up why, you're going to find some stuff like it signifies the Holy Trinity. That's fine. That's fair. I like that. You'll find others that I think are, are just strange. It's to symbolize the three tears of Mary, which, what's that from? Some of you may know, I don't. Uh, I know there are some Our Lady of Sorrows portraits that have three tears, though the rosary would predate some of that artwork. Some of it. So I don't know what that means. So to me, if you're just looking at the history of beaded prayer devices, those three beads at the bottom of your rosary are probably to set an intention to. So let's bring that back. I like it. If, if you've listened to my Our Lady of Sorrows pray along chaplet, we did that, right? We set our intention and the first three Hail Marys were for that intention. So I've just talked about how we've made the rosary too complex with all of the changes to the prayers and making it this specific order. Though, I like the order of it. <laughs> I think it's really important. And if you want a hesychistic, which is that rep repetitive prayer mantra, you can have your own practice with that. For me, I do. I pray the rosary, but then I also pray the Jesus prayer in Latin. The rosary is still its own tool. And I do think there are some benefits to the length when it comes to manifesting and visualization. You have more time. But again, it's hard. So here are some tips. Even if you are a rosary pro, I think this will help. And the easiest way is since the rosary is three meditations in one, let's talk about all of the meditations and how we can practice them. So the first one is breath meditation. Now, you might not see the rosary as a breathing meditation, but it is. Um, and even if it's not traditionally spoken about that way, understanding how to breathe when you are praying ensures that you can stay more in tuned. 
but also whenever your mind is wandering, you can go back to your breath. So I really recommend belly breathing, which we'll get to, but also the breath too. Once you start looping your prayers with your breath, it's a very, very hypnotic and shamanic type thing that's going on. But first, belly breathing. And I recommend you practice this just in life, but practice this um, separately from your rosary and then start incorporating it into your rosary practice. So belly breathing. If you are sitting down, sit up straight, shoulders back, chin up. They want you to put one hand on your stomach, the other hand on your chest. And all of this is done through your nose, not your mouth. So you're gonna inhale very slowly. I want your stomach to rise. I want you to exhale very slowly, and I want your stomach to fall. You want to make sure it's your stomach, not your chest. That's why your other hand is on your chest. So what is this? If you've been to a yoga class, any good yoga instructor would teach you this. It's called diaphragmic breathing or belly breathing. When we are asleep, we breathe from our stomach. When we were babies, we breathed from our stomach. But when we are stressed and we are overwhelmed, often without even knowing it, we breathe from our chest. So work on that belly breathing and then we're going for the rosary sake of it the rosary portion you're going to start incorporating the breath with your rosary prayers and if your mind is, is kind of going off you can come back to your breath but also guys this meditation is great if you are to really really focus on your breath it would be what's considered a form of vipassana meditation which is your classic following the breath meditation it's very powerful um, you can't always bust out the rosary, the japa mala, when you are in a fight with your boss, but you can still breathe. So I like this regardless. But once you get that breathing down, now we get into mantra. So mantra is just repetitive prayer. So I do recommend you start finding a mantra and your breath and work on those together and a shorter one at first. Later, we're gonna do this with the Hail Mary prayers, but let's say it is Holy Mary, Mother of God. Or if you wanna do Latin, Sancta Maria, Mater Dei. So how can you link this with your breath? Now, if you're saying it in your head, you can link it however you want. Inhaling, Sancta Maria, exhaling, Mater Dei. Inhaling, Holy Mary, exhaling, Mother of God, if you wanna do it in English or Latin. Um, but if you're saying it out loud, I personally cannot inhale when I'm talking. I don't know if that's common or not, but I'm just bad at it. I will inhale and then just say it all on the exhale. So, Santa Maria Mater Dei. The important part there is if there's still breath in my lungs, I continue that exhale. Inhaling, Santa Maria Mater Dei. Santa Maria Mater Dei. You start getting that rhythm that mantra, that repetitive cadence. It's very powerful. So once you mess around with that, you can start incorporating that with your rosary prayers. And it's also gonna help you not run out of breath when you're praying because you forgot to breathe. So again, if you are saying this in your head, the breathing mixed with the repetition can look like a lot of ways, but the, the, the key to that is making it consistent. So it might be inhaling, Hail Mary full of grace, exhaling, the Lord is with you. Inhaling, blessed are you amongst women, exhaling, you know. Or if you are saying it out loud, it might be better to just inhale and then speak on the exhales. But the point is to make it rhythmic and consistent 
and you're going to find this rhythm. If you're practice, practicing this with a shorter mantra before, you're going to find it first when you're doing that. But you'll see it and you'll find it when you're praying the prayers too because there's this rhythm, there's this cadence, and I can't explain it, but it's like everything is on autopilot and this space opens up where you can enter that space. But there's this beautiful space, there's this beautiful calm because your mind and your body are doing something in tandem and it's this rhythm. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Now and at the hour of our death, amen. Like there's this beautiful rhythm that's going on. And yes, the Hail Mary prayers are longer, so it takes a little more time to feel it there than just Sancta Maria Mater Dei. But it's there and it's so powerful. And that is what mantra meditation is all about. Um, but like I said, you're going to start finding this space. And that is when you start inserting the visualization or meditating on the rosary, uh, the mysteries. So before you get into that, I'd recommend just sitting down and working on visualization meditation. Since we are talking about a Christian context, I'll give you a Christian visualization meditation technique. And this is actually a church teaching. We'll talk about that later. But what's recommended is put yourself in a biblical story. The example I like to use is when Christ is on the boat with the apostles and he stops the storm, okay? Put yourself on that boat. Now we're gonna go through every sense. What do you feel? Do you feel the wood on your feet, the sandals on your feet? Do you feel the sun on you? If the storm is coming, do you feel the rain yet or is it just misty in the air? Do you feel waves lapping in? Are you sitting down? What does that feel like? Are you standing up? If so, where are your hands? What does that feel like? What do you hear? Do you hear the apostles and Jesus talking? Are they quiet because they're scared because there's a storm coming? Do you hear thunder? Do you hear seagulls? Do you hear the water lapping into the boat? What do you smell? Do you smell the smell of the catch from the day before? Do you smell the smell of, of stinky fishermen? Do you smell the rain and the humidity? What do you taste? Do you taste the salt water in the air, right? Go through that all slowly. And now what I recommend before jumping all into the rosary, start incorporating that quick mantra. Sancta Maria Mater Dei. Inhaling Sancta Maria Mater Dei or whatever it is. And while you get, so this is kind of a pre-rosary exercise, right? Because you have the breath, you have the mantra, the visualization, work on that. And then we can put it all together in the rosary. Now, you might start the rosary with just the breath and the prayer and later add in the mysteries. But when you add in the mysteries, same thing. So you are at the wedding at Cana. What do you feel? What are, what are you, are you sitting down? Or are you standing up? What do you hear? People talking. Is there panic because they found out there's no wine? What are the sounds when they gasp when Christ performs the miracle? What do you taste? Are you eating? Um, all of that. <laughs> All of that. Now you're going to, so you have your 
breath, you have the prayers that are repeating, and now you have the visualization. So I recommend focusing on all of those separately, and it can be that quick, easy mantra with the breath while visualizing yourself, you know, on the boat with Christ at the wedding at Cana. You can actually use the mysteries at that point. Um, and then start incorporating into the rosary. And I don't want to plug the Patreon too bluntly, but I'm going to. We spent a month uh, doing that. We have four videos where we go through breathing meditation, mantra meditation, visualization meditation, and then incorporating it all into the rosary. All right, so now the moment you've likely all been anticipating and waiting for, how can you use the rosary in your spiritual practice? So first, let's go back to our reminder that the rosary is about the recitation of the name. And that alone is powerful. But also, I want to really get the point across here that devotion is important in this practice. Um, I think a lot about the Tibetan concept of the hungry ghost. And it said you live in the hungry ghost realm if you're always wanting more. You're always needing to fix things. You're always needing more, more, more. You're never satisfied. And I feel like practitioners can often do that. We always reach for the spell kit whenever anything is wrong. We use spiritually bypassing instead of dealing with things. And from a spiritual standpoint, especially when you're working with saints, Mary, Jesus, God, saints especially, and Mary, you don't want to be that friend that only hits them up when you need something, right? Um, so sometimes praying the rosary just to pray the rosary, let me rephrase that, oftentimes praying the rosary just to pray the rosary is all you need. And you're going to get the graces from that, right? The, the promises of the rosary I spoke about at the beginning of the episode, you're going to get those by praying the rosary either way. You're going to get the protection from praying the rosary either way. And not to mention, the rosary is a meditation. Meditation is good for your brain. It's good for your physical health. It's good for your emotional, mental, and spiritual health. So don't get caught up in this pattern of only wanting and get away from devotion or get away from just being. Um, you don't want to be caught up in that hungry ghost cycle. But <laughs> let's talk about how to use the rosary to get stuff. Let's just do it. Because again, the rosary can be used to get whatever is asked. So the most popular, well-known, and best way to manifest using the rosary is what I would call the fruit of thy womb method. Very simple. Take your rosary and remember we talked about those first three beads. Set your intention. Talk about what you need. Now, side note, that's enough for manifestation because remember a promise of the rosary is get what you ask for. You're dedicating the rosary to that thing. That alone is enough, but let's make it more powerful. So this is a very common tactic. You're praying the rosary, and when you get to the part, fruit of thy womb, Jesus, insert what you're trying to manifest. So, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who landed me my dream job, who 
cured my illness, who protected my home, who let me meet my partner, etc., etc. And that's it. So you pray that, pray the Hail Mary as you as you normally would, and then fruit of thy womb, insert what you're trying to manifest in there. Be specific yet short and speak as if it already happened. So blessed it not, you would not want to do, blessed it is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who I'm asking to give me a new job. No, say it like it already happened. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who landed me my dream job. So there you go. That is a very, very common way to use it. And Think about how you would use that in the context of your other workings. So I do this during my novena prayers. So if I'm doing novena for something specific, I close it out with that specific type of rosary. Now, if you think about what that looks like, it's it's a very powerful ritualistic experience. So I'm sitting down with my novena candles. They're, they're dressed. I usually have my altar going with offerings and candles and, and you know letters and psalms written out and all the crazy stuff I do. And in my novena prayer, I'm asking for something. And then I talk to the candle about what I need or the saint about what I need. And then I talk to the rest of the spiritual court on my altar about what I need. And then I might pray a litany of that saint. And usually a lot of litanies, there is a time for open prayer where I reiterate again what it is I'm asking for. And then I'm doing a rosary, fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who then saying it another time. So... It becomes a very symbolic way and a, and a key part of an entire ritual about manifestation. Um, so yeah, incorporate that. It is very simple, but it is very important. And then the second one is that visualization we talked about, right? We talked about the rosary mysteries and how it's important to really put yourself there. And this is why, because you can use it for manifestation. Now, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola are a big inspiration to me. And one of their practices is actually using this visualization method. The exact method I recommended earlier in this episode about putting yourself on the boat with Jesus and his disciples. St. Ignatius actually recommends you do that and then recommends you ask God, Saint Mary, Jesus questions and to get answers. And of course, many people are going to say, oh, well, isn't that just your imagination or your subconscious telling you what you want to hear? Maybe. But Saint Ignatius would counter with that saying, God can even speak to you through your imagination. So when you're doing your rosary, and it could be the, the fruit of thy womb manifestation rosary, it could be a regular rosary, when you're doing the mysteries, put yourself there. Remember all of the, the senses that I talked about. That is where you need to be. And it said you can now approach Jesus, Mary, or the disciples for advice, help, or petitioning. Now you do want to choose the appropriate mystery. You don't want to, you know, hit up Mary for something if she's watching Jesus get crucified. Uh, you might want to choose the wedding at Cana. You might want to choose the... Um, Jesus's baptism. You might want to choose uh, the transfiguration. Or of course, you can also create another scenario. So this might be on the way to Pentecost, 
uh, where you're talking to disciples before they enter um, the room in which the Holy Spirit comes down. So again, this might seem silly. It might seem like this is just your ego talking to you, but this is actually a traditional usage. Uh, but now we are just including a little more petitioning in there. And the last recommendation. So again, there are plenty more, but I feel like those two, the visualization and the fruit of thy womb, are really all you need. So I want to talk about a concept though. That concept is charging your rosary. Um, so I talked about in the Our Lady of Sorrows episode, there was this, this working, this spell, where you put a rosary in a bowl of holy water. Well, let me let me say it in order. You affix a black candle to a bowl, full of, fill it with holy water, and then light a candle, and then you put your rosary in the bowl as well. And you say a prayer to... Mary as Our Lady of Sorrows to protect those who use this rosary. Very simple. And you can do that with any rosary. Um, and it doesn't have to be that specific working. Um, you could have a rosary, let's say for healing, and you put it in holy water and you pray the St. Raphael prayer over it. Or you just pray to Mary asking that if when you use this rosary, it can heal you and heal others who need it. You can also pray over a rosary, let's say a healing psalm for every one of the beads, and then use that rosary in your healing novena or your healing work, or maybe even if you're working with someone in person, putting the cross up to them or having them hold it while you're doing Olympia on them or something. So it's very possible and very easy to charge the rosary. And I think that's important. You know, I just got a stack of relic cards. So these are saint cards or prayer cards that have been held up or touched or prayed over or blessed with a saint relic. So for instance, I have have a few. Um, I have one for Saint Padre Pio. I have oil and I have a, a card. And the card and oil were blessed by his glove that he wore and he had the stigmata. Um, and it's believed that that card now has the same energy, the same holy energy of the blessing and of the relic. And you see that a lot in Catholicism where you might bless something, the, press, the priest might bless something and it becomes unique, interesting, holy. Um, and then also with relics, relics have this magical property where you can just touch something to it and that something will also have magical properties. And of course, they wouldn't say magical, but I am. And you have that with a rosary as well. A rosary carries energy with it. So praying a certain psalm, praying a certain prayer, setting a certain intention over it, that intention can then be used in your workings as well. So let's give another example. I like the healing example a lot, so we'll stick with that, but this can be prosperity, this can be protection, but we'll say healing again. So let's say you did one round of your rosary and you set the intention that you want yourself, your friend, to heal, okay? So you did a rosary with that intention. You used the fruit of thy womb method as well. Fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who healed my friend, Tony. And then you find a psalm about healing, and you pray that psalm over the rosary as well. So now you have a rosary that is charged with healing prayers and power. So again, like I said earlier, you can have the person you want to do work with hold it, 
or you now can put that rosary in water, say another healing prayer, and then the water has that property. So be creative with this. The rosary is a tool that can be charged with a certain intention and see how you can incorporate that into your practice. All right, we're gonna jump into a Q&A next. Um, but just as a recap, and the Q&A is important because there are things that I purposely did not touch upon in this episode because I knew they were in the Q&A. So keep listening. But um, as a recap, the rosary in of itself was more about the promises than the order of the prayer and the mechanics. But now we do have this longer version. And I think that it still is very, very powerful. Um, but I do recommend if you are looking to get into the rosary and I don't want to say improve, but improve your rosary practice. You really work on that breathing alongside that mantra meditation and then start working on visualization and do that separately and then put them all together. Um, the promises of the rosary again are what's really important here. And manifestation is one. Getting signals from the divine is one. Protection from the celestial court is one, which I think is beautiful. And then of course, how to use it. There are many ways. I don't want you to discount the rosary as only a tool because it's also just a lovely act of devotion. Um, if I'm working with Mary, I might promise her if she comes through for me to pray the rosary an extra time, you know, during the day or something like that. But that fruit of thy womb method is really big on manifestation. I have used it with success, as well as that visualization, putting yourself into the mysteries. Um, and also more of a concept than a working, but you can totally charge your rosary with intention and use that in your practice. So, so much more we could get into with the rosary, guys. Um, there will be more rosary content. We're going to do a series on spiritual warfare. So there will be rosary content there. The month of May will be full of Mary content. So there will be more rosary work there. So stay tuned for future episodes because we are going to continue to dive into the rosary. Now let's jump into questions. I put out a call on Instagram for rosary questions and the following is what landed in my inbox. So let's do it. The first question is, does it make a difference if you say it in your head or out loud? And the answer is yes, it does make a difference. So if you are just praying the rosary for devotional work or meditation work, then saying it in your head is fine. Though, if you are looking to use the rosary in a way that you're trying to achieve a goal of some sort, I would say it out loud. So it's said that if you are looking to cast out evil, you're going to say something out loud. And that goes for everything, right? You don't do an exorcism in your head. You say it out loud. Um, when you're doing your novenas, I think there may be some people who do their novena prayers in their head, but I find them more powerful when you say them out loud. So if you're using the rosary for a manifestation, if you're using it as part of a novena session or a work session of some sort, then say it out loud. Though if you're just praying it in the, in the morning or in the day, then in your head is, is totally fine. And both will give you the fruits and the promises that Mary gave St. Dominic. 
Next question is, is important is it important to do the mysteries? Any advice on memorizing the mysteries? I like the mysteries, and as we talked about, they are really important to symbolize your growth, right? Because they mirror the growth of a practitioner. And then also they're important for the visualization and manifestation aspects. Um, it's not necessary to do them when you are doing it for a devotional centering or meditative practice. I also know people who have created their own variations on mysteries. Um, J. Allen Cross is a beautiful one for Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, so it's, it's not important, but I do think it's very powerful if you do them. As far as memorizing them, you know, there have been times where I've been doing a very long novena work or some other kind of work, and I've been praying the rosary daily and to be honest with you, even then, sometimes I had to bust out the, my phone and, and double check. Uh, I have a booklet, and you can find them at most Catholic bookstores book or online, where it has both pictures and the mysteries. I like those for the, the picture elements. I feel like I'm really good at visualization, but it helps a little bit um, just seeing kind of the common depictions of these mysteries. Um, also, most people, when they start doing the rosary, they don't start with the mysteries. Um, I know a lot of people who still don't do them because it, it takes time to get the rhythm and the flow of the rosary before jumping in. And another kind of tip on the mysteries as well is I feel like people are like, all right, I'm focusing on the baptism by John the Baptist now. Hail Mary, full of grace. And they just go. Um, Take your time after you say you're our father, announce the mystery, right? So the birth of Jesus, take some time, think about it in your head, start meditating on it right then after you announce it, then go into it. And you can just meditate on that same thought over and over again. Um, but take your time and announcing it first really helps. All right, this next question is one I wanted to talk about during the episode, but I saved it for now. Uh, can you change the words? Do you use the words us sinners? So I've noticed this a lot too with like the Apostles' Creed. People don't like saying we believe in the Catholic Church, which Catholic Church just means universal. And then people have issue with us sinners. Um, I used to get rid of us sinners as well because one, it was a very late addition uh, to many prayers. And also, it's just not how I visualize Mary. Though, a few things. One, my view, which is not just my view, it's the Eastern Catholic, Eastern Orthodox view, and others, is that sin is not this checklist that keeps you from getting into heaven. That is not what sin means, my friends. Sin is an illness um, the confessional, what do they say? They say the confessional is a sick room, not a courtroom. Um, or the church is a sick room, not a courtroom. Um, sin is just when you have a spiritual blockage that stops you from connecting with God more closely, both here on earth and in the afterlife. That's all sin is. So am I a sinner by that regard? Do I have blockages that keep me from experiencing God fully in this moment right now and all moments? Yes. 
And sometimes is it more, sometimes is it less? Yes. That's what a state of grace means. So in that case, yeah, sure. I definitely get in my own way. So by that definition, I am a sinner. So I'm going to keep it in there. But even if you didn't care about anything I just said, there is such power in the fact that you are praying the same prayer that your mother, grandmother, great-grandmother have prayed. There is such power that you're praying the same prayers that people all around the world are praying. That's why I believe that the Latin language and the Latin mass was very beautiful because you knew for sure everyone around the world was praying the same prayer verbatim. Um, but that's another episode, another topic. These prayers can be charged both generationally and spiritually as almost an egregore, but then also on your own. You know, I, I was talking about Hindu mantra. I used to do a lot of Hindu mantra. In Om Gam Ganapati Namaha, even when I said it just then, I just felt a bolt down my spine. And I feel that now with Kyrie Elsan and the Jesus Prayer in Latin because I've used it and I'm starting to really feel it. And the same thing can happen with the Hail Mary, with the Apostles' Creed, with the Our Father, with the Glory Be, with the Memorare. It becomes a spiritual tool. I feel that with a lot of Psalms that I do often too. You you kind of, ah, that sounds, this sounds so woo-woo and esoteric and silly, but these, they have a power to them. They have their own energy. They have their own personality and you can feel them. So can you change the words? Yes. However, I do recommend you pray the rosary as it is written, as it has been prayed for hundreds of years. Um, of course, there might be certain occasions you want to change things up. That's fine. Um, but I do think there's power in keeping the prayers as they are. What are your thoughts on wearing the rosary? I think it's a bit much personally. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I went to Catholic schools my whole childhood and adolescence, and what I was taught by nuns and monks was it is not sinful to wear the rosary. It's just a little bit showy. It's like you want everyone to know how pious you are, how holy you are, and even though this was not that long ago, you still kind of kept that stuff not to yourself in private, but yeah, to yourself in private. Now it's like I'm a proud Christian who believes in all this, and that's cool, that's fine, but it's becoming ego, it's becoming showy, and wearing a rosary is showy and ego, but also it's a tool. You wouldn't wear a screwdriver as a necklace and even if you were a handyman or handy person, you would still wear it in a tool belt, right? <laughs> Just like the rosary, you would keep it in your pocket. I have a pocket rosary on me at all times. It's on me now. Um, so is there anything wrong with wearing the rosary? No, I just think it's a bit much. And honestly, most of my rosaries are bulky, so I wouldn't do that. If you want to wear it because you think that it's gonna give you protective qualities, that is literally what saint medals and scapulars are for, for protection and wearing them. Now, I'm talking about in public, in private, when I am at my altar, 
after I finish saying the rosary, it goes around my neck. <laughs> um, or if I don't really do in-person work, but if I was doing any healing stuff with a person, I would put it around my neck or their neck or mine and then theirs. So when I'm doing work at my altar, I do wear one, usually after I've prayed it, because I feel like now it has an energy and I want that energy on me, but not in public. Next question is, how do you use the rosary to get into a meditative state for ancestor work or similar work? I think everything I've talked about answers that. Um, you know, talk, when I talked about getting the rhythmic prayer in tune with your breath to the point where it becomes that cadence that is almost shamanic, trance-like, then you get into your visualization. So for that, for ancestor work or something else, you might not want to meditate on your mysteries. You might want to meditate on a moment with your ancestors. And I would say that if I wanted to really get into a meditative state as well, I'm not sure if I would pray the rosary as the rosary. I might just do a very short mantra on each bead. Um, so I did this in the Our Lady of Guadalupe devotional when I said, what did we pray, guys? Um, am I not... Am I not here? I who am your mother. Um, so for this, I would do something similar. I would probably do uh, Sancta Maria Mater Day over and over and over again. But um, in of itself, this episode, everything I've talked about kind of can help you with the ancestor veneration and connection. All right. Do you have to finish the rosary in one sitting? If you're looking to do your rosary for devotion, just to connect with Mary, no. You don't have to. You don't have to do a full rosary in one sitting. If you are looking to do it as part of a manifestation work or a novena, then I would say yes, you need to do it in one sitting. What's the difference between a chaplet and a rosary and what are your favorite chaplets? Um, a chaplet is going to be shorter most of the time. And chaplets can be for things other than Mary. Uh, they can be for certain saints, St. Michael, St. Anthony, St. Joseph, they all have them. Um, or also things like uh, the Divine Mercy of Jesus chaplet. Um, so usually they're shorter and the prayers are different. Many of them, if there's a Marian twist to it or subject to it, it will still be the Hail Marys. It'll just be a different number. Um, so yeah, and then like I've, I've talked about before in this episode already, St. Michael would be the St. Michael prayer and then certain mysteries, but they're not mysteries, but you would focus on a certain part of Michael from scripture. And my favorite chaplet is the Our Lady of Sorrows chaplet. I actually prefer that to the rosary. It's shorter <laughs> and uh, I, just, I just pray to Our Lady of Sorrows a lot. And also Divine Mercy chaplet is very popular. I would say that's probably the most popular chaplet. I personally don't pray it, but I like it. I think it's it's solid. Are there any other prayers that can be done on the rosary? So many of those are going to be chaplets, so they're going to be shorter. Um, I do think there's some that would fit. Like there's a version of the Hail Mary that's St. Joseph. I think it's kind of cheesy, honestly. Um, so something like that, you could replace it with the Hail Mary. I think... There's a Holy Spirit chaplet that's the same length as a rosary. 
But when you get to stuff like that, you can also make it your own, right? So I, I just mentioned the Holy Spirit one, so we'll stick with that. On the big beads, pray the Our Father. On the small beads, pray the Come Holy Spirit prayer. And then on the cross at the end, pray a litany to the Holy Spirit. So like you can make it your own. Um, but most of the time, the full rosary, it's there, there's some chaplets that are the same size. Uh, but a lot of times you can still make it your own. And I recommend you do. You know, we did that Our Lady of Guadalupe devotional. I prayed it with a rosary. And it was just repeating the Am I Not Here, I Am Your Mother prayer. All right, next question. What are your thoughts on praying the rosary in Latin? I like it. And it's purely for vanity, but I just think it sounds cooler. Um, there is a spiritual element there. There are going to be more spooky. I was going to say spooky Catholics, but I also know a lot of grimoiric magicians and occultists who use Latin as well. Uh, but there's going to be occultists and traditional Catholics who are going to tell you that Latin is mystical in of itself. It's a holy language in of itself. Um, I could see that. It's the official language of the church. Exorcists are going to tell you that demons hate Latin because it's indicative of the church. I like it though. I like praying in Latin. The Hail Mary is very beautiful in Latin because there's a it's not a rhyme, but it's a cadence. Uh, so it's like the same thing back, like backwards and forwards. I think it's fun to say. And, uh, but the Our Father is really clunky. The St. Michael prayer is really clunk clunky. That's not in the rosary, but I'm just thinking about when I was trying to learn Latin for everything. I like it. I think it's fun. Um, one thing that helped me with the rosary was learning it in Latin because I felt like if my mind was wandering a lot during the rosary in English, I would switch to Latin. I think there is a mysticism to it that I find really beautiful. So it's kind of aesthetic, but aesthetics are a very important part of your practice. And that's not talked about enough. Like, yes, we're folk practitioners or some of us are. So it's supposed to be all, be all about simplicity and I like that, but Beauty and aesthetics are an important part of your practice. Um, that is a important element of the church, actually, is the importance of aesthetics and beauty and ceremony because it puts you into a mental state of worship and devotion. And I think the same thing can be said for Latin um, as an aesthetic purpose. So if it speaks to you, I guess that's how, to, how you can put it. If it's speaking to you, from a place of aesthetics, then it's speaking to something in your soul that is resonating with you and your heart that is resonating with you. And that is something about the divine that is resonating with you. So if you find Latin beautiful and you find the prayers beautiful, then that means it is resonating with something in you. So you should definitely check it out. I do like praying in Latin again. Um, the Hail Mary at least is really beautiful. The Our Father can be tricky to learn, but once you get it, it's easy. I also love me some deliverance prayers and exorcism prayers in Latin. They're really cool, but that's another episode. Hint, hint, it's going to be good. But yeah, spiritual warfare, I can't wait to talk about that. All right, this was a cool one. 
Do the mysteries coincide with intentions? Like if you wanted to have an intention for gratitude, you would pray the joyful mysteries, etc. They can, and I really like that. So offering up a joyful mystery session when you want to um, thank God for gratitude. I think it's beautiful. Or luminous um, could be for healing or bringing in light. I like that a lot. I think that is, is a really interesting way to look at that. I'm not sure how common that is, but I like it. So I think you should do it. The next question, how do you approach rosaries dedicated to saints? I wouldn't. <laughs> I know that's common, but it seems strange to me to pray a hail. And this is me. It's totally me. Seems strange to me to pray like a Hail Mary on a Saint Anthony rosary. You know, my some of my rosaries do have a Benedict cross, but it doesn't have Benedict's image on there. Um, so I wouldn't. That's why I like my rosaries to just have Mary depictions on there. Um, I do have a chaplet to St. Michael and a pocket rosary to St. Michael. And I use my St. Michael prayers on that. So if usually for a rosary, I'd keep it to Mary. Um, there are ways and prayers and, and things you could probably do. So if you have a rosary with St. Let's say Anthony on it, the litany of St. Anthony have probably has 20 names. There's probably a shorter Anthony prayer you could do for another two decades. And then you could just do a decade of St. Anthony pray for us, you know? So there's ways to make it happen. And you just have to be creative. Someone asked if there was a rosary, a folksy rosary for Mary Undoer of Knots. They couldn't find one. Um, no, I couldn't find one either. Um, so a folksy rosary for Mary Undoer of Knots. So for that, it would just kind of be a rosary with an image of Mary Undoer of Knots on it. Um, but I'm sure that's hard to come by. So just like you would a novena, what you're going to do is you're going to take a prayer card to Mary Undoer of Knots. On the cross, you are going to pray the prayer that is on the back of that card. On the first three beads, you are going to dedicate the rosary to Mary Undoer of Knots. And then you're going to pray your rosary, just as you would. Then when you come back and you finish and you land back on the cross, you can pray the Memorare prayer or just pray from your heart to Mary Undoer of Knots and speak to what you need and what you want her assistance for. So it's really as simple as that. Um, and that could go back to if you want to say a rosary for a saint or you want to dedicate a rosary to another form of Mary. Um, kind of make it a mini novena with your prayer card and just dedicate the rosary to that saint, that veneration or version of Mary. That is all of the questions I had, and I'm sure there will be more. And if you did have more questions or do have more questions, we will be preparing for another Lord's Line listener Q&A episode. So always feel free to send me questions for those episodes. They come out monthly. All right, well, this has been a fun rosary episode. Again, we're scratching the surface with the rosary. There's so much we could talk about, but I do hope that you have a few things that you're going away with that can assist you in praying the rosary and making it more meditative, more 
trance-like, also some good and simple ways to use it for manifestation. All right, and as always, let's end this episode with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Mother, amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God, you are our mother, our queen, worthy of our adoration. And just like the name of God, the simple recitation of your sweet name can both bestow blessing and cast out evil. Please keep those who recite your name in your heart. And as these listeners go and get their rosary and pray to you, may you hold them, may you heal them, may you keep them close. May your name be like music on their lips. May it also be like medicine. May your name heal. May your name protect. And may your name draw us all closer to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. As always, I'm your host, W. Thank you for listening. And remember, Mary loves you. All you have to do is call her name. Thank you. God bless you.